Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, Todd. Hey, good morning, Don. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for, uh, are you, you've, you've survived, you have survived the smoke and the wildfires and all that good stuff. I have survived the great smoke of 2023. <laughs> um, so tell me about it and talk to me a little bit about, you know, what the House GOP is saying. They're, they're claiming that the Democrats sabotaged uh, the budget and we have a budget ba- battle going on, obviously, as we TikTok move toward July 1st. They've got to get this thing done um, by June 30th. And then we have the issue of local efforts for increased campaign finance transparency and how the title of your latest election law article is how they have faltered. So let's start there. What do you see at the county level with campaign finance reports? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, as as we, when Broad and Liberty originally got started in 2019, you know, we were just an opinion side and then Broad and Liberty brought me on to, to do news. And as we were have been, just doing basic sort of reporting, political reporting, and, and occasionally watchdog reporting in the collar counties, especially, mm-hmm. um, it just became problematic that if you want to look at a campaign finance report, and here I, there are there are a couple of distinctions. So, like if somebody's running for governor, obviously that person they file their campaign finance report with the state, and it goes on the state website, and you can go there and look at it. Um, the same is true for someone that's running for uh, a House seat or a Senate seat. But if you're running for mayor of Upper Darby or, you know, any municipal office or if you are running for or let's say you're not even running for something. Let's say you operate a pack in Bucks County and all you do, you know, that pack is just uh, interested in Bucks County things like school board races. You have to go to the county headquarters to view those documents. And so in you know, going back two years, in 2021, we went to the four counties and the four collar counties and basically just said, um, well, actually, the three, when, uh, excluding Montgomery. And we said, why don't you put more of this stuff online? And we didn't ask this to Montgomery because they do put a lot of it online. Um, now, the, the little exclusion or the little caveat here is what Montgomery County puts online are just candidate filings. So people that are running for county commissioner or county sheriff, those kinds of things. They don't put all of the PACs and independent expenditure committees up. So we asked Bucks 
Chester, Delaware counties, hey, what would it take for you guys to do something similar to what Montgomery County is doing? And all three counties were, oh, you know what, that's a really good idea, and we're going to look into it. And and Bucks County even said, we're really going to get on that ASAP. So that was 2021. Well, we, you know, it's it's still a, a really important election year for a lot of county offices and school boards. And so we circled back to the issue, and lo and behold, nobody's done anything. Um, so we said, what the heck is going on? And uh, making matters worse is Montgomery County, who had been sort of the leader in, in doing something proactive, they had stopped updating their website. So, you know, it's just a thing where, you know, I, I guess I would sort of conclude this original thought this way is, in, in the three or four years that I've been uh, reporting in Pennsylvania, I mean, I've just been awed by the number of citizen groups and parents and just sort of regular everyday activists who have used the, the state's open records law to be more involved in politics in their region. And I wonder how the political discussion would be different if all of these people Republicans, Democrats, independents, Green Party, whatever, if they had more access to these reports, if they could just get them online without having to drive to their county office or to drive two counties away to get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when you think about this, it should be online. We we pay, we the taxpayers, right, we, we pay for it, but they, it seems like they make it as difficult as they possibly could and it's nice that you acknowledge that at least Montgomery County has somewhat tried to dedicate. They do have a dedicated web page, and they kind of hosted the filings for the candidates, as you write. But as far as the other Bucks, Chester, and Delaware counties, so they still say they're looking into it, but really we don't have that transparency. And this is two years? Two, well, two years that we've been asking. That you've been for. asking. Yeah. And, you know, I think really Montgomery County offers an interesting way to understand why this is important. I mean, if you were wanting to research the background of Josh Shapiro as he was running for governor, Mm -hmm. you could have gone onto the Montgomery County website and you could have read his county campaign finance reports uh, dating back to 2011, I think. Right. And And that would have held true if you were a reporter in Allegheny County or if you were a reporter in California or, you know, maybe you were, you know, maybe you're a Pennsylvania native who, for some reason, you relocated to Seattle, Washington. You could go find those things, right, because they were online. Um, Val Arcouche, who a former Montgomery County commissioner, um, she is set to become the health secretary in Pennsylvania. Again, Anyone in the Commonwealth can go to Montgomery County site and, and find her old campaign finance reports. And, you know, I, I mean, I just think that's important in a number of ways. It, it not only does it help people maybe find conflicts of interest, but in cases where, you know, there aren't maybe, let's say, so-called con- conflicts of interest, it can help someone, you know, have a greater trust in a candidate. So it doesn't always have to be viewed from the negative angle. And uh, so I think those kinds of things um, explain why this is so important. But I really think uh, the other reason is, like, when you look at, look, look, we, you know, I think the last time I was on, you and I were talking Central Bucks or, you know, yeah. every time, you know, I mean, you and I are always talking Central Bucks stuff. And, um, and that school board race is going to be 
pretty hot this year. And there are going to be, um, you know, there are going to be small independent expenditure committees and small PACs that operate in Bucks County. Um, And again, you know, we at Broad and Liberty will be trying to do our best to dig into some of these issues. But again, it's a deal where we will have to go to the county headquarters. We will likely have to pay for copies if we, you know, want to publish anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, like you said, it, the, the government adds all these extra steps and no one seems really anxious to make it that much easier. Well, and I think that it leads one to the question of, because we saw at one point a lot of people were surprised that, for example, George Soros was backing district attorneys. And it right. was, in essence, a, a smart strategy, I'll put in air quotes, but it was a strategy that we had not seen before, where he was looking to spread, you know, sort of um, save his pennies to spend his dollars, as it were, to look at these DA's races that maybe don't have the huge finances of a national election, but they make a huge impact. And so we saw that across the country are you looking for evidence of this outside money? And we saw, I mean, Shapiro, I remember reporting, and I want to say this was in at some point in the fall of 2022, and he had something like $11 million. He had raised a ton of money. The question was, how much, how much of that money was outside of Pennsylvania? How much was from those types like Soros? You know, we have those questions. Do you have any evidence, Todd Shepard, that... We have the Soros types backers from outside of Pennsylvania looking toward helping out those school board type elections. No, and and you know we're still early in the process, mm-hmm. and a lot of that money is yet to be sort of exchanged, if you will. But a first of all, I think your 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 example on the Delaware County District Attorney Jack Stolsteimer and the way the finances happened when when he was first elected. That, that may be the best example you, you could possibly bring up. But, you know, I, I, I think the other important thing about making them available online is uh, oftentimes um, it's not the first campaign finance re- report that gives you the whole picture. Because monies get moved between so many um, PACs, political committees, candidate committees, and independent expenditure committees, Oftentimes you have to you have to have four or five different reports in order to be able to really get the whole picture. And so, again, this is a deal where, you know, just going down to the county offices to do this kind of research, um, it's just archaic. There's no other way to say it. Um, it, 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 you might as well go, you, you might as well be trying to look at something on microfish now, you know, I mean, it's, it's that archaic. And so, uh, the, the, I, I guess, you know, I would just conclude by campaign finances are, are so convoluted in, in the way the, the number of times money gets moved. And, and these committees know exactly what they're doing, that if they move it enough, it starts to confuse mm-hmm. who's doing what, right? And so, again, that's why I'm making everything available 24-7. That's, you know, I mean, the county headquarters aren't open 24-7. And now someone can sit there and and go through these reports anytime they want and their weekend hours, whatever. But again, um, you know, we also note in the, in the report that there are some bills out there that want to make the county's 
essentially send this information to the Department of State and the Department of State would start to, to host it there. Um, there's still a lot to be worked out there. And I'll tell you, I've been working on this for like a week or two about how the Department of State actually collects that information and, and, and eventually gets it uploaded to the public. And in my, I mean, I've been working on this for two weeks, Don, mm-hmm. on, on how the Department of State does this. And I'm getting very few answers. And it's really frustrating. The Department of State's not telling us much. And even my inquiries uh, down to contacts at Harrisburg, um, it just nobody wants to seem to talk about this. And um, so there are some bills that want to address this, but the basic facts uh, of how things work at the Department of State level to get mm-hmm. state information published, it's still pretty opaque to me at this moment. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating. And so you think about, for you, and a trained you know ex- veteran investigative reporter, and really the average person should be able to look this stuff up, and it should be easy. Yeah. You know, and so if you're if you're frustrated, that basically says to 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 the everyday person, well, how could how could we have transparency? How could we look that up? I just just because we talked about the state level, I'll just say these numbers that in Pennsylvania, we set that record this year with um, Democrat Josh Shapiro winning. And obviously it it was a race that had national significance, but he topped one hundred ten million dollars which is incredible for that fundraising and obviously beat Mastriano within that. But if we look at the money and who donated to the governor's campaign, Josh Shapiro obviously was uh, victorious. Labor unions kicked in $11.5 and We had uh, wealthy Democrats from California giving a ton of money, as well as even New York, uh, former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, tech entrepreneur Bill Harris Jr. I mean, these were millions and millions of dollars. But listed in there, we do have, for example, I do see George Soros listed. So George Soros did donate to Shapiro's campaign, not the millions. I think he gave, you know, six-figure amounts. But in there as well, Philadelphia Eagles owner Jeff Lurie and uh, the Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper. I thought that was interesting. Fanatics owner Michael Rubin, filmmaker Steven Spielberg, so we have all of these different donations. So obviously, a lot of donations that were from the West Coast. And I think that's, for, for me personally, I do want to, I do like to know which candidates, especially to your point, Todd Shepard, at the county level, you know, you think about, well, why in the world would a billionaire on the West Coast care about a county level election in, let's say, Bucks County? I think that raises the eyebrows, right? I, I totally agree. And and I'll look at this is just a little supposition on my part. I'm a little bit of a wager, if you will. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a lot of uh, to see a, a, a decent number of uh, out of state contribution in contributions in the central bucks race mm-hmm. races this November, just because. Um, the media around what has gone on there in the last year has been so dominant. It's, you know, it's been like a drumbeat. Um, it's been so contentious at points, um, that, and, and again, you're talking about a school district that's different than the school district of Philadelphia or Allegheny schools. You're, you're talking about one that's very suburban. It's in one of the purplish, 
most purplish swing counties, important swing counties in one of the most important swing states. Um, and so I think there are a lot of, uh, particularly on the left, I think there are a lot of people on the left who look at Central Bucks yeah. as a kind of um, icon, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so what happens there, they can say, well, you know, look how well we did in Central Bucks or whatever. And so that could draw a lot of out-of-state money. So I definitely think, I, I, again, I don't have any proof of it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. I just wanted to quickly touch on your one of your latest articles as well at broadenliberty.com when you talked about the fact, so we mentioned Governor Shapiro, that the, the Republicans this week in Pennsylvania blasting their counterparts as saying that the House Democrats broke with their own governor producing this bloated budget. Can you talk a little bit about the budget in Pennsylvania right now and and what you're writing about in your latest piece? Well, this is budget month, and as you said in the the lead-up, the budget by law has to be finished by the end of the month. And so this is the month really when kind of everything else in Harrisburg gets set to the side and and really uh, budget takes over everything. Earlier this week, um, the House, or on Monday, if I'm remembering right, it's been a confusing week, but (laughs) also on Monday, the the House Democrats passed their their budget and essentially – uh, House Republicans were already complaining about the increases in Josh Shapiro's proposed budget, but then House Democrats went, I mean, they added even more to what Shapiro had proposed. The House Republicans put out a press release and said, basically, uh, House Democrats have sabotaged their own governor by by going above and beyond what he was proposing. Um, I don't have the, the the percentages right off the top of my head, but um, it's a it's a significant if you if you looked at the House bill that was passed this week, it's a significant increase over this year's spending. I mean, and by significant, I'm thinking it's well over seven, maybe even as close as 10 percent. Um, so uh, we're talking about a lot. I mean, we're talking about a few billion dollars yeah. here of an increase over Shapiro's budget. So, again, the you know, the big question here is how much the Senate's uh, is able to the Republican controlled Senate able to to um, you know maybe mm-hmm. curb some of that spending in a Republican yeah. fashion if that's what they're thinking. Yeah, I mean you write about it in the the details, and I, I would encourage you know I, I know that we are a well informed audience, so broadenliberty.com. But I mean to think about tacking on this one point eight billion one point zero eight billion to the $45.9 billion budget introed by Shapiro. And then you go through it and putting it in perspective, saying that they need to approve more than a 30% increase in, for example, the personal income tax to cover the House Democrats' proposed new spending. Uh, that spells trouble in an already tough economy with this record inflation and so on and so forth. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, and, um, hey, while we're on other stories, um, if I can, I've got a story that I'm publishing in an hour. If I can give you a quick tease on oh, that. I'd love it. I'd love. So, um, you know, earlier this year, uh, well, l- let me start off that last year, um, as, as a lot of people will know, the government in Delaware County took over the day-to-day management of the county prison, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it had been privately managed for almost three decades. 
And when the, the, the county government did this, they said, we're going to, you know, we're going to be better managers, more humane, and, and all of these great promises. Um, it's not exactly turning out that way. And since they've taken over, there have been five deaths at the, the prison, three suicides. Um, one person was killed by his own cellmate. But then there's this other one that's very odd, and we're investigating this. This is what the new story is about. Mm-hmm. There was a, a person who died in February, uh, and county officials said it was a delayed homicide. So what they're saying is he was shot before he came into prison, but then after he was incarcerated, he died from the gunshot wound. Now, he was in prison for 55 days, so you know he appeared to be okay to a degree, right? But county officials wouldn't even tell us his name. We only learned his name by getting documents through a right-to-know request. And we have now twice asked the county to tell us, when was this person shot? What were the circumstances? Do you have a suspect in that mm-hmm. shooting? Um, you know, is the suspect in custody? And we've not only asked that to county officials, we've also asked that to the Delaware County DA's office, and nobody is telling us anything. Um, this person who was in prison had a long rap sheet, and I'm not going to say that this person's the greatest person in the world, but that doesn't mean that he gets, you know, that we can just push him push him aside. And I think the county officials need to start answering some questions on these things if we're the only people asking them. Well, we can't wait to hear the results and read that one. Todd Shepard, BroadenLiberty.com. Todd, thank you so much for updating us on all that you're investigating. We appreciate you. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.